0: All right, guys, what's going on today? Today we are sitting down with Will Rawlings from Superior Athletic Advantage. Um, We're super excited to chat with him today. He successfully started and grown um, a gym that not only offers um, personalized training, but also does a CrossFit affiliate and has had a lot of success in his space. We want to kind of talk to him today about what his start looked like, um, kind of what services he offers to his clients that differentiates him from his competitors, and then kind of how he gets customers in the door. So I want to start today by you know opening up the mic to you, Will, kind of talking about how you got affiliated with the space, how you got into fitness, and then what led you into opening up your current space. So I'm opening up to you, my friend.
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm uh, I've been fortunate enough to have pretty good uh, mentorship and guidance in the in the fitness world, and you know I'm pretty passionate about sharing the things that I've gained over the years, and uh, you know just talking about the fitness space and and owning and running a gym successfully. You know, I'm always, I'm always interested in hearing how people make ends meet. Um, so I guess back when, so my, my athletic career started, uh, you know, baseball, uh, got into, you know, competitive sports in high school, little baseball, a little basketball, um, you know, more like a casual pursuit. I made the teams. Um, and then I, I went to a pretty big high school. I went to Stevenson High School in, in Illinois, just north of Chicago. Um, and I think the enrollment was like five 5,000 at the time. So big high school. So sports were, were competitive. And I'd never really been exposed to that. You know, you play house league and stuff like that. You, everybody gets to play. Everybody makes a team. Um, so as things got more competitive, um, you know, you started to see things like people doing off-season training and, and lifting weights in the off-season. I'd never really been exposed to any of that kind of stuff so so trying to navigate it as a high school athlete was was new to me Um, and then as I got to like my junior year I started to get letters from colleges um, you know being recruited to play at higher levels and again I'd never even considered the opportunity of playing in college all of a sudden that was a another new experience you know no one in my family had ever even really gone to college let alone played sports in college so whole scene was just you know coming fast and you're trying to make decisions and go to exposure camps and all like all that kind of stuff was fairly new um you know back at the time when I was going to high school which was what what, like around 96 98 something like that so um the scene has grown you know exponentially to to date so um so as I tried to navigate some of those things going into into college and you know decided where I wanted to go play Um, you know started playing in college and again so now everything that I thought was competitive got even more competitive as an 18 19 year old you know you're competing for playing time against 22 23 year olds you know guys from all kinds of backgrounds and athletic abilities and so all of a sudden you know what I thought was competitive ended up being even more competitive um so things like you know how you structured your your um your, your off, off days, you know, so I ended up a collegiate pitcher. So your, your off days is how you try to maximize your performance. You know, you, you throw a long toss on this day and then the day before you'd pitch, you'd do this. So you're always looking for a competitive edge, not only against your competition, but also like, you know, just competing for playing time. Um, so fast forward to the tail end of my career. So I never really even knew collegiate sports was, was in the cards for me. So, Got to the tail end of my collegiate career, and I had some some pretty good, like, raw ability. I mean, I could throw a baseball pretty hard. Um, and, you know, people would mention to me, you know, like, you ever consider playing at higher levels? You know, you throw pretty hard, and, you know, you got hooked up with a pro team and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, again, so I was always fascinated in, you know, how you could train your body for another level up. And, and that kind of was the, the slogan that we adopted for the gym, was training athletes for the next level you know so so every level that you're at every time you level up there's a whole new set of skills there's a whole new level of competition and you need to be prepared for that and so when i when i came up with the idea to to kind of bring all the the strength and conditioning that i learned back to the 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 youth um in the area um that was kind of the the mindset you know how could we take all these these high end philosophies and and ideal ways to train for your sport and implement them at younger ages you know to maximize someone's potential and and get them to the next level so um, after college i ended up um i i I was trying to stay around the game of baseball to try to play at higher levels so i actually took a position coaching collegiate baseball and to be a division one coach in, in sports you have to have a master's degree so I actually really enjoyed the coaching aspect because again you know like I always looked for mentorship from my coaches and anybody that you know helped me level up in sports I really valued that and um, so being able to provide that to to athletes was was I was definitely passionate about it so I actually got accepted into the University of Northern Iowa um, exercise science master's program Um, and it was kind of right place right time they were looking for a baseball strength and conditioning coordinator. So I kind of like slid right in there. I had already had collegiate experience. I was super passionate about helping guys, you know, maximize their, their uh, potential, um, getting guys ready to play, getting guys ready for pro days, how to perform in front of scouts and stuff like that. So very passionate about it. Um, and when I was there, I had the experience of learning from um, – so the head, the head strength coach at the time had been with the Minnesota Vikings um in the minnesota wild um, and then they also hired a former chinese olympian in the sport of weightlifting when i was there and i got to kind of be his right hand man for for two three years and train under him he actually took me to china twice to study how they train their youth in, in the sport of weightlifting um so i got to see that i also got to go uh to a professional training base for three weeks and see their methodologies and compare it to all the stuff that you read So I was really in like a cool uh, melting pot of experience, being able to work, you know, apply these things to myself, apply them to all these different athletes that I was working with, and then also being able to like learn from some of the best and apply classroom exercise physiology to all these things and just try to come up with the like perfect combination for people to get them results. So, um, you know, one of the other things that that Jeff and I talked about uh, last time when we spoke was we ultimately arrived on individualized format. So if you could imagine, you got a group of 40 plus athletes, you know what I mean? The fitness space is actually pretty similar. So, you know, let's say we have squats program for that day. Well, we'd have, for example, we'd have catchers that just caught three hours worth of bullpens and they'd been in a full squat for three hours. I'm going to ask these guys to put a heavy barbell on their back. And, you know, so so you were immediately creating, um, you know, I guess scaling or modifying is is what you would say in the fitness community, but what ended up happening was you, you saw more situations that required scaling and modifying for people that I just, it made more sense to just write individualized or position specific and just get more specific for each athlete. Because again, some of these guys were trying to go on and play at higher levels. You know, we had a guy that ended up going and playing on the Buffalo bills and, you know, a lot of professional baseball players. And so, You know, just kind of having the attitude of like, oh, I guess that's what's written for today. You know, you should just kind of suck it up and figure it out. You know, that 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 wasn't acceptable to me. And I think, you know, people really appreciate that when you when you give them what they should be doing and and what's going to maximize their potential as opposed to, well, I wrote it. So, you know, you should do it. So
0: no doubt. So that's kind of how you, you know, from our previous conversation, it seems like your whole gym is based around like, you know, not everyone's got the same goals, not everyone's got the same path. So let's figure out like, okay, what are the goals and how are we going to reverse engineer a plan that fits for them? Is that correct? Right. Cause if you, if you, if you look at each sport, you know, there's, there's different criteria that will
1: kind of predict and determine how successful you will be. Um, And so, you know, let's use for an example, like a 10 year old softball player, Versus a junior in high school football player, are, their workouts are going to look a little bit different. Um, injury prevention, the warm-ups are going to look different. So start to finish, if your workout can be more accurate, you're going to get better results. It's going to be a better experience for the client, and as a trainer, you know I mean you're going to feel better about what you're providing um, as far as a service. And then when your clients see that value, you know it ultimately comes full circle into like retention. So it just, it ends up being the right formula for everybody, in in my opinion, you know, and it,
0: uh, in terms of, in terms of, um, the individual, in terms of like serving like a client, is it it ever become like complex keeping up with everybody's individual plan or how does that kind of like manage in that piece of the business? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of evolved over the years. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. Yeah, for sure. And you don't need to give me the whole details of how you run your business either. I was just curious on how that kind of played out with like trainers and yourself and like, you know, how that goes. Sure. So it was, you know,
1: I guess you're ultimately looking for the appropriate solution for each client. And mm-hmm. if you adopt that mindset of, we're going to do what's right for the client, what's right for the situation, um, you know, that, that's kind of your, your guiding light. Um, we've, we've definitely gotten more sophisticated and now there's even software that helps you manage, uh, you know, what days clients come, you know, good spreadsheets, Excel spreadsheets was a good place to start. Um, we went from handwriting, we were writing things on whiteboards to now we have like true coach, which delivers it via email with video links. And so it's, um, it's definitely evolved and it's always a work in progress where, you know, we have weekly meetings and, and we're always trying to bounce ideas off each other. And, um, you know, I think it's cool. So, to to your question so we've had several trainers here over the years and kind of helping guide them in through that process of okay he, here's a situation what would i do or what could you do or how do you want to approach this it's always cool because everyone has a unique perspective so you know one of the things that that i tend to do is is with warm ups i get real complex whereas sometimes people want to come in and they want it, they don't want to do some real complicated As cool as it might be and as great as it might feel, they are not looking, they're not in the mood for something complicated. So continuing to try to just get in tune with your clients and what they're looking to achieve and and it creates a really cool thing for, you know, not only the trainer, it's a learning process for everybody. So it ends up being a really cool
0: yeah, one thing i like about that model too is it becomes more of like a tailored experience rather than just servicing somebody it becomes more of like an individualized experience like based on where they're at you know so instead of like boxing everybody in you know you're actually creating like a lane for everybody to like go down in their own way you know
1: right and it, it'll in my opinion it allows you a lot of flexibility as well so you know kind of what i was alluding to earlier if if the gym only has this much equipment and everybody needs to be doing this and this person needs to be doing that. Well, if you don't have the appropriate space or equipment, it's just, it's, yeah, it's hard to provide the the correct experience for people and given enough poor experiences, that's, I think when people start to consider other options or other gyms or other trainers. So, so being able to remain flexible and provide what people are looking for, you know, it definitely helps with
2: retention. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, when you're doing this individualized programming um, in order to facilitate that, are you, you know, setting up, uh, you know, specific review dates with those clients to kind of review what their plan's been working for and, you know, how you you may tweak it moving forward or how do you go yeah. about doing that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, that ends up being an an interesting kind of like a stylistic question. So we always do like an assessment and an intake, you know, where you you're meeting the client and sometimes it's hard to not project what you want or what you think onto someone and what their experience is going to end up being so we always start with an assessment and then that way you can just start with some general questions you get somebody going you hear a little bit you hear some key words you start to identify like what their priorities are so it it gives you a little bit of guidance as to try to start to shape where that person's at and then you start to go into like physiologic testing where you're looking for imbalances movement deficiencies and those things kind of starts to kind of create this whirlwind of opportunity for you to to break this into you know how do I start planning a a, a specific program for somebody they're coming three days a week versus five days a week Um, they tend to over exercise you know like how, how are you applying a solution that you can implement and then they're happy with and then so back back to your question so building in check-ins so w- when you do the assessment and you get bombarded with all this information okay so it's like a creative creative moment and then you sit down and you put something on paper that's your interpretation so it's always a good idea within the first couple of weeks to kind of check in with the client like hey this is what i heard from our assessment you know you wanted to prioritize getting in the gym mobility breaking a good sweat we're not looking to push intensity and get all crazy. So you have a tough day of work. That's what I heard. How are the workouts going? And you kind of check in with them, make sure you're on the same page. Because sometimes you can misinterpret. You know, you might hear a couple buzzwords and you're like, oh man, this person, you know, or sometimes the, the person's a little uncomfortable. They put their best foot forward. You know, I want to work hard, crush me. But then they got a job that's very demanding. They got a personal life that's very demanding. You know, you got something difficult plan for them and they come in and they just get crushed by it you know and then they're disappointed and then you're like oh man you know what happened you're questioning yourself you're questioning what happened and you know so so yeah checking in and trying to just maintain communication and ma- making yeah. it comfortable for them to be able to to voice some of their
0: concerns or you know yeah i like you know, that you think they've noticed. Yeah, that's that's super awesome, actually. Do you ever find yourself, if somebody comes into your, I think we talked about this on the phone, but I want to touch on it again, is do you ever find yourself that when somebody comes into your space um, and you're talking with them that they're not an ideal fit for you and then you'll put, almost like push them away or do you have something that you think that you can serve everyone or how do you kind of go about that mindset? Yeah. Um, we'll get people that it's kind of
1: outside your area of expertise where maybe their injury is a little more severe than they let on. Their limitations are pretty severe. You might refer them out to like a physical therapist. We get people that are definitely, so we perform our workouts in a group, but it's like a small group setting and everyone has their own workout. But you will get people that come in new to town and they're looking for the group fitness experience. And if you can sense that that's a big disconnect, you just tell them right off the bat, hey, there's another CrossFit gym down the street you want to go check them out you know yeah because ultimately they're going to be happier there anyway so it's taking them through and trying to get them to commit financially to something it's just going to be awkward in the long run for everybody so yeah it's better to just send them
0: send them in the in the right direction up front no i think that's smart too and that and that builds i mean that builds like long-term like consumer trust with your brand too you know because if so if you're just accepting everybody just because you're trying to do short term whatever and they're not a good fit, it doesn't play out. Well, that's going to negatively affect you in the long term versus you just gave someone solid advice up front said, hey, we might, need, might not be the best fit, but here's my best advice for you moving forward. That builds like, so much trust for your business too. Absolutely. and you know, I, I,
1: It'll sound simpler when I say it now versus when you're, you have a gym. So we initially started, we were only training athletes, and yeah. we started to get so many requests for fitness And i was just like this is a little bit outside of what i'm comfortable with Um, and and really ultimately until i could wrap my head around it we need to just kind of adopt the same format we need to individualize we need to assess we need to have clear goals in order to create the appropriate training program because otherwise fitness is an ongoing thing you know burning calories is an ongoing thing it's it goes forever with athletes, you train them for six to eight months. You might not see them again for five, six months. It's not, you know, not training five days a week for the rest of their life. So it's it's a little bit different. So having a lot of clear communication as to what that looks like for each person you know, is definitely important. So
2: I like that a lot. Let's uh, jump back. So, you know, you're a you know, strength and conditioning coach out at a D1 school. You know, how did you end up making that transition and to actually – you know, starting your own business. Yeah. So the logistically kind of how that, how
1: that, how that that works. So one of the cool things about the experience, uh, you know, in my exercise science program was they threw us in the fire, man. So they were, this is small town, Iowa, and they built. So one of the projects for one of the guys was to build a not-for-profit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a facility that would train athletes for the Olympics in the sport of Taekwondo track and field. So that was part of his graduate project and I was on the ground floor. I'd get involved and help him. So I actually, I mean, we built platforms and we um, laid turf. So we, I was getting the, all this experience. And then it, it was all this real world experience that I wasn't really realizing at the time. And then as, as, you got closer to your program being up, kind of had the realization. I was like, man, if I had access to this when I was in high school, this would have been invaluable. I would have lived at a facility like this. And I kind of started to think to myself, wow, I mean, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. You know, people, people have disposable income more so than small town Iowa. For sure. Like, people would definitely pay for this experience. And this could be an interesting business. So I had actually a family friend who had opened several different businesses, real estate, restaurants. And I kind of went to him with a business plan, just, hey, how do I approach a bank? You know, where, where do I even get this process started? Because I didn't know the first thing. But the experience that I did have was I knew all the nuts and bolts of how to construct a gym, how to throw together a business plan, because I, you know, I was kind of on the ground floor of it. And so then when I approached this family friend, You know, I sat down, I told him my ideas and he kind of checked it out. And so I drove away from the meeting and as I'm heading out, he gives me a phone call and he's like, you know, what if I gave you the money? I'm like, even better, you know, perfect. That's not what I was looking for, but that makes it even easier because now I don't have to deal with banks. And, you know, so I guess having a good plan and, and making something look good on paper and look correct on paper that someone can digest that's a big step because, you know, you go to friends and family or something, or you try to raise that kind of money to, to get a facility going. Um, you know, people might get a little bit nervous to just hand you a bunch of cash, but if it's easy to digest and it looks right on paper, um, you know,
0: get it moving from there. That's awesome. So when you first opened your doors, um, did you already have like a pretty fundamental, like solid group of clients or was that something you had to kind of like work towards or how did that first couple months look like for you? Yeah, so, you know, one of the
1: things, you know, the, the, the audience being predominantly people in the fitness space, there are definitely influencers and game changers that you'll cross path, paths with in your experience. And so that family friend who invested and, and saw and believed in the, the project, and so there was a facility, there's a volleyball facility, they did uh, club volleyball, um, and like travel baseball, and one of our investors went in and just kind of started the conversation and started, you know, Hey, we're looking to do this. We need this much space. You know, do you have space in your facility Would you be interested in like a rental situation? And again, this, this guy was a forward thinker. He was looking to differentiate his project, his product from all the other club volleyball, travel baseball. And he's like, if I offered strength conditioning with testing and retesting, I could definitely differentiate my product and i'd be making a monthly income from this it was like a win-win but if he was not a forward enough thinker wanted to take a chance you know so so don't be afraid to knock down people's doors and you know just take a chance on different situations because you never know when you're going to find that person that is an influencer
2: or thinks a little bit differently and, and gives you those opportunities that's awesome yeah, that's definitely a way to do it. You know, find some other business that potentially you can integrate um, your services into, and both be able to provide each other some value. I love that. Yeah, um, and it it gave us there was a lot of things built in. It gave us exposure right off the
1: bat, um, and then we also we had a base of clientele, and we tested and retested, and we showed them improvements. And then the client experience starts to kind of take over, and then um, fast forward about a year and a half being in in their facility they actually went out of business the the, the teams had you know that it's it's a tough scene to travel travel baseball and very competitive and and they had kind of they were a little bit further from the community that they were getting most of their people from people didn't want to travel etc so um they went out of business and then we actually moved into the town where most of the people were coming from and it ended up being like a really good move for us and then things nice. kind of took off from there
0: so so how long, I guess there's just a quick side note here. How long have you actually owned and operated your space? Uh, it'll, it's been 11 years. Damn. Just over 11 years. That's legit. So in terms, so I guess if we um, kind of talked about like, you know, how you guys started service fulfillment. Um, so kind of dove, touch base a little on the service level, you know, kind of how you got your first couple clients and stuff, good relationships and stuff. So how have you, over the years, how have you been able to, you know, keep yourself done a good job of retention. We've talked about that. You know, we know why you're doing that, but how have we been able to attract like the new eyes, have the services kind of attracted people for you? What's your kind of like acquisition kind of like look like from new, um, like getting like pat, like current clients in, past clients and future clients? Yeah. Um, so one of the things, so
1: I had kind of alluded to the fact that I had gone to China and I had pretty good guidance as far as weightlifting training so we were really good at teaching barbell lifts any kind of clean deadlift squat um, snatch so how does this come full circle so when I was in China I took a bunch of videos and this is 2000 2007 right right before the the 2008 Olympics so I got a bunch of videos and I, I heard a thing on viral marketing and I mean this wasn't this was when YouTube was still pretty brand new. And I posted a bunch of videos of a lot of the Chinese lifters that I had seen. And we just started posting a bunch of videos of our lifts. And at the time we were putting up pretty big numbers and and word started to spread in the community. And as CrossFit got more popular and barbell lifts were starting to become more popular, people needed to be taught correctly. So that kind of became a differentiator for us. I mean, some of our YouTube views, are kind of, they're approaching like, I want to say close to a million. Nice. So that that was, you know, I mean, now that the market's pretty saturated now, um, you know, everyone knows that's a good tool and, you know, Instagram and Facebook, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to make a dent, but, you know, that was definitely something that it got people interested outside of our own four walls or outside of word of mouth, Um, you know, and then honestly, word of mouth, you know, that client experience, you know, it's hard to rely on. But you know don't be afraid to ask people to tell their friends or bring a friend or you know those kinds of things um but yeah i think I think word of you know how how well we service clients and then also just kind of being able to walk the walk and toss around some big weights ourselves kind of spread throughout our immediate community,
0: and then people have started to make their way into our into our facility oh yeah. You th- are you a big believer? I don't know. This goes kind of different. Some gyms are do it. Some, some gyms don't. Are you a big believer in having like a, a set in stone like referral program for your clients? So if somebody refers you to, so I'm say I'm working out at your space and I refer you to Nick, is do you do like any sort of like discount or incentive for referrals, or kind of how do you go about that process?
1: No, really. One of the only things we've done is like a family discount or like a okay. family discount. Um, yeah, I guess we've just been we've been fortunate. We try to do like a bring a friend um, you know, that, that, that's helped, but we don't do your standard referral. I mean, you know, I'd be, I'd be open to it. I just, our clientele is very specific as to what they want and yeah. what they're willing to pay for. And it, I just feel like it would uh, burden them slightly to be constantly asking. Um, but you know, as far as like formally, I would feel different about it, but it's informally, you know, someone will always mention, you know, I have a sister, I have a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell your friends or when you celebrate their successes, that's always a great time to, you know, show your friends. I get some of these high school kids doing some huge lifts and some cool stuff in the off season. It's like send a snap to your buddies or, you know, like stuff like that, like kind of create that that, uh,
2: that interest, so to speak. 100%. Uh, Do you do any, you know, I guess how much do you keep up on, you know, posting organically on your social media profiles? So that was
1: something that I thought we were always pretty good at. Um, We, we always, if somebody did a lift, we, we, you know, we took a video um, always kind of just celebrating every, every win. Um, Every time somebody got a, you know, even if their technique looked good, it doesn't have to be a huge weight, but Hey, look at this. We got a 12 year old that can do, you know perfect technique on a clean you know it just creates kind of a a sense of man like what's going on in there those guys really know how to teach the lifts and I saw that guy two weeks ago and then now I see his clean now it looks great, so just staying up on the the uh you know kind of showing those client wins and and just visual visual access into the facility um as far as like marketing, I feel like we could do a better job as explaining the process that's kind of our next step for for 2019 is trying to explain how it works kind of what we're talking about here you know what does the assessment look like what does the first couple weeks look like for sure trying to spell it out and show it visually very cleanly so someone can digest it
0: and 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 understand what happens when they walk into your facility i think is important yeah i think that's one of the biggest things that we've learned too is just kind of giving them like x expectations, not only, but giving them like that process to assume when they come in your door, like when you come in, you're gonna door, you're gonna get this, this, and this, and this is why you're getting this, this, and this, you know? So it's like kind of like walking them through. Um, right. I mean, especially when, you know, when you're in a transformation
2: business, you know, you gotta be able to, you know, position your methodology and, you know, really position yourself as the guide and that you have a plan that people are gonna walk through um, that they can buy into, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's huge. And I I like the fact that you're utilizing social media to really show client wins, you know, and that really allows people to, you know, resonate, you know, their own story with what, uh, you know, what they're seeing you post. Um, do you find yourself doing any sort of like training type videos where you do a little bit of like educating when you are posting on social media?
1: Yeah. You know, so I think it's, uh, what I, the, the conclusion that I've come to with using social media is just be very clear what, what your message is. And then that'll kind of guide the tone that you take because, Definitely. you know, I, I, over the years, I've trained a lot of trainers and gym owners and people that come in and kind of, you know, how do you do this individualized thing? Or, you know, what would you do in this situation? And, you know, so there, the, there is a market for, or an audience for people that are trying to learn, um, and then there's a situation where you're just trying to showcase your client's successes as kind of a marketing piece, or, you know, just try to make a statement about, you know, being consistent through adversity or, but I think it's important to to differentiate what your tone is and what you're trying to appeal through your social media, because sometimes if it gets confusing again, like it's not easy for people to digest it, it ends up being more of a waste of your time than, you know, it's right, not a clear message and people yeah, aren't getting it and it just ends up being a, yeah. So, organic i think one of the things we were always comfortable with was showing the client wins and yeah our our monthly newsletter we always highlight someone who's you know body transformation or you're blasting out yeah yep all of our clients and, and people that are on our list um just you know again like this person did what we asked and check it out like yeah they're reaping the rewards and you know, and then here's what we're going on got going on this month. And then like a small educational piece that we think would, you know, hits a large portion of our audience and appeals to the people and can be really helpful. So.
2: Definitely. So with that email list, um, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of past clients uh, on the email list as well. Is there anything that you do to get those past clients back in the door or at least just get the conversation started? Yeah, we've seen like, you know, just doing like little flash sales and stuff and, um, or just, you know,
1: appropriately timed stuff, you know, people, if, if you look at your numbers and people like to get started around the new year's, um, Sorry. <laughs> you know, offer a little incentive for getting started or, you know, like one of our more popular packs is like a three session pack. And so you basically like a lot of people like that. Let's offer a, some of your clients if they're due to resign or something and they, they can take advantage of it. They appreciate the price break or, you know, things like that to kind of, to get some interest.
0: Yeah, in terms of, uh, this is something that I kind of wanted to ask in kind of more of the beginning, and, and we don't need to talk specific numbers, but do you have like tiered packages for your consumers? Like you can do like this level, this level, this level. And again, I don't want to talk price. I'm not interested in that. I just want to know kind of how you segment your own sure. client base. If yeah,
1: that's- basically, if you're willing to make a longer commitment to us, then we'll give you a break in price. That, sure. that basically, it becomes, the relationship becomes easier to manage longer term if you're committed because we're not trying to convince you every time and we're not trying to, you know, resell you on your purchase every time. So we have three month packages, six and 12, and there's, there's a break in price for each. Nice. That's legit. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. And it's all allotted by session too, just because it does, it's very trainer involved. So having to write a workout and follow up. So every time you produce a workout that requires X amount of time, so it's kind of factored into the price. So it's by
0: session, but it's also by like your monthly package as well. Yeah, that makes sense. One thing I've noticed um, a lot of people with the, what I've, you know, done some research on this so well is like a lot of gyms will think that, um, you know, I'll have a base price. And then like my superior price will be only like a 20 or $30 difference. And then what a lot of people are coming out and saying is that if you're trying to have like these segregation and packages, which is why I was curious kind of how you did it too, which is yours is a little bit different. But if you have these segregations, like, make that price break, like actually significant because the people that are willing to pay for the premium service, not only like they're willing to pay, they have the money, but then it'll give you the, obviously the capital for your own business to serve them the way you want to. I mean, I think people are doing again, you know, for an example, a hundred and $120 package for basic premium when it's like, there's not, it's not enough of a gap for it to really add significance to the end user a lot of the time. So that's why I was curious to like, kind of like how you ran it, but you do yours kind of a different way. Anyway, so, yeah, well, and that's, I mean, that's a good example. So like formulating. So
1: for us, when we originally started a, a, our fitness aspect and our, our affiliate was we offered unlimited memberships and kind of what we saw was like someone would pay for the unlimited membership. They'd sign up for seven days, you know, every week, take up a slot, And then you'd be writing all these workouts and they start falling behind or missing sessions and so it's like you had to put in the work to write that extra workout or those extra three workouts and the person didn't even use them so it kind of the accountability is now falling completely on you versus sharing that somewhat with the client so having having the appropriate options that kind of spell out i think kind of what you were getting to was you know if you if you have to have a trainer on the floor and you have to have the gym open and you have to offer all these sessions You should charge an adequate amount of money to be able to provide that service and be comfortable with that rather than man, I'm only you know, yeah, you throw an arbitrary number out there, like a 120, and it's like, and we got a lot of 120s, but we're still
0: barely making any money. Yeah, dude. Well, dude, that's what I tell people all the time. It's like obviously you have your your price point of a client and then you have whatever the cost is to actually like fulfill. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of like even like local gyms that we worked with, and it's like, okay, you're charging say 140 bones but your fulfillment cost is like 85 or 90 bones you know so it's like okay you are you're the owner of the gym like you can dictate your price if you're not making the margin you want up your price by ten dollars that might be okay a small percentage increase in price but that might be a very significant increase in margin and profit for your business and it's like to your point, if you're offering a premium service and you're paying out coaches and you're doing the extra work, like charge for it. That's one big thing that I'm trying. Like, that's the point I'm trying to get across, I guess, in this conversation. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And if you can't convince people that you're worth the
1: money, I mean, then you should. I mean, focus your time and energy on some continuing education or what you know. How could I do this a little bit better? And if you can't, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I've noticed with some of the bigger gyms around us is the problem when that starts to spiral out of control what ends up happening is then the gym owners and the coaches start to kind of get resentful towards the clients and be like you're i mean you're not paying me what do I care exactly then, i mean now look what the relationships become right. you don't pay me i don't like you exactly that's going to work out long term you know it's like you're going to offer less and less you're going to give them less and less yep so you, can you know see, what i mean take shortcuts right yeah. That's charge what
0: you need to charge and then just follow through on it and, do you know, provide service. Dude, that's that's 100 percent the message I was trying to get across to anybody listening. It's just like charge. You need to charge. Know your worth. And like, honestly, it's like we made that mistake and we started what we do now, too. It's like, OK, you go in somewhere and they try and undercut you. And it's like when you first start out, you might be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it for a little less. But what happens is like you undervalue yourself as a human. You undervalue yourself yeah. as an expert, you know. So it's like charge what you charge for a reason. 100 okay. percent.
1: Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're new again, so like we're making this sound easy, this is, we're, we're telling you from the other side of the fence, but if you're new, yeah, you know, I, I definitely get it that you're, you're nervous. And that's where you got to accumulate some clients and you got to accumulate some wins and keep track of your success stories. You know, that was one of the things that we didn't do as well as we could have. I, we would always share the success stories or put stuff on Facebook, but like really hammer home. Do you know where you started and to where you are now? And that message is huge for your business long-term. So if you take on a client, you know, for like less than what you'd like to charge, then show them the results, but then also tell the story. So then the time and energy that you invested in that client's success, you get to then use as a marketing piece going forward to communicate the quality of what you're providing. Absolutely. And then that kind of gets you up another level to be able to
0: level up as a trainer. I love that dude. Do you find one thing that we've seen some people do is they, uh, they'll have like this onboarding room. So the people will come into their gym, the new prospect, new client. And then the trainer, the owner, whoever's meeting with them will actually like, they'll greet them right away. Just acknowledge they came in their business. You know, they came in for their session and then they'll actually have them like sit in this room. Right. Just like with like a chair and around the whole room will be just flooded with testimonials. Like either before and after people holding up plaques, like down this much body fat percentage up this or up this much weight, if they gained weight, you know, whatever it was. And it's like, they're sitting in this room and they're like looking around and they're like, man, these guys know what they're doing. You know what I mean? So it like kind of sets the stage. So I've seen some people do that when I thought it was a pretty awesome idea. I don't know if you guys do any like before afters or kind of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, we actually, so in our gym, we have a compiled list of all the athletes that have gone on to play in college. Nice. Dude. Um, and then even more recently, we've had athletes go to the CrossFit games, CrossFit regionals. So that's all visible. So when people walk in, you know, it's just not that you make them sit in a room for 20 minutes, but right, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's there. And so it's for it's sure. a nice reminder too. Um, one of the other things that we used to do. We used to have a whiteboard with everyone's max is visible. So it's just, you know, you get you get that someone, someone who's still relatively new and they do something cool. But then there's always a reference like, man, that person. So it kind of creates that inspiration, you know, constantly present to keep you in the right mindset you know if you got inspiration all around you it's 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 hard to slack off and keeps everyone a little, little friendly
2: competition you know yeah for sure i love that man i mean they even looking at your room is this the office that you're in right now yeah yeah back there it's, you yeah. got a bunch of accreditations on the wall some newspaper clippings like That's that, smart. that in itself you know helps How set it? the stage too yeah you bring people in your office and it's like you know
1: just Show, show people what you've accomplished and that you do have accreditation and, you know, those, oh, yeah, those
2: small things definitely add up. You're worth, man. You know what you've been through, right? Hell yeah. 100%. Have you done uh, any sort of paid advertising for your gym? Uh,
1: we've done a couple of small ones. It's something that I'd like to explore. Uh, uh, we've done like a couple of, you know, $50, $100 Facebook ads. And if you can get one client out of it, two clients out of it, um, you know, there you go yeah, you paid, paid it in, in dues. So definitely, man. Um, we always, we're always flirting with capacity at our facility. So you, you get a little bit nervous to like run big ads. You just want to make sure that you service. And then also too, because of the way we're set up, we have 90 minute sessions and we have smaller groups just to kind of create a good experience for everybody. If you start crowding up your facility with tons of new people, it changes the experience for your current clients.
2: Yeah. So we always
1: kind of, if you're full and if you're at capacity, you should probably start exploring, you know, maybe increasing prices. This is a mistake that I made earlier on. Yo. We moved into a second facility to try to handle the growth. When in reality, I think what the correct move would have been to just raise rates to yeah, what it would have been more sustainable for that amount of people rather than just
0: jump into a whole new space. and Yeah. And there's some tricky ways around that too. I've seen people do, you know, instead of doing monthly payments, they do 28 day billing cycles so that you do every 28 days instead of 31 days. And then therefore you collect at the end of the year, you basically get like an extra like month of pay, you know, otherwise I see people do like, I mean, even like weekly payments to where they pay you X amount of dollars a month then you break that down weekly and you get that same back end result over a year's time because again it's weekly right sure so yeah, that's, a, that's a good point and another reason thing or i think that i've seen too is um just like decrease so if you're doing like a 60 minute session obviously you're more in the group but for anyone personal train that's listening if you do like typical 60 minute session 15 minute break 60 minute session we'll just stop taking that 15 minute break and go 45 back to back to back to back and you'll be able to get in seven to 10 a day instead of you know five and six and you do that calendar year you're making some a lot more money
1: yeah my my wife uh she had done some of the the higher up corporate training at lifetime and one of the things that she used to do was she would start her next client on their warm-up while she was finishing up the previous client you know kind of what you're saying so that client you know instead of just standing there holding their hand while they're on the, the treadmill and doing some general stretching they're they're a little more self-sufficient and that was kind of how the individual thing evolved for us too was personal training is great but the price point is it's it's tough it's tough to sustain and having that relationship be one-on-one um again it's it's tough for the life of a client i'm not saying it can't be done there's great personal trainers out there but for me standing there counting someone's reps for an hour you know, it's just, it would get old. And then like Absolutely. you said, you can only, I mean, there's only eight hours in a work day
0: or, you know I mean, what I mean? Your, your money is completely based on time. I mean, there's you're only, spending time for money every single time. There's no actual room for more growth with that, you know? Right. That's why you right. have to resort to doing the back to back to back and or figuring out different kind of pricing structure. And that's how the small
1: group thing started because it's the best combination, my opinion, of personal training. You're you getting know, a, in a, a good rate for your time and then you're also combining people. So you You're, you're, like I said, you're not. I guess that sounds bad to say, like babysitting. You know, we're all adults here. If 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 you're supposed to do ten calories on the bike and you do nine, you know, am I gonna walk
0: over there and be, hey, right, right, right. You know, well, it's great because you can help the people that need the help, but then the people that are just kind of doing their thing, they're still motivated by the group atmosphere. If they need assistance, you can go help. Otherwise, you can focus on the like the guy or gal that you know you're working on. You know, so right. And being totally
1: totally honest, I mean, people like accountability, and there's some people that want to be held accountable. But yep. then there's also some people like, hey, I'm coming in here to sweat today. You know, I'm going to put my headphones in and I'm going to move for 45 minutes. I don't, I don't want to hear about you. You know, it's just, for sure. not, yeah, yeah, yeah. you try to force conversation on them, but really they just want to work out, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're not for, there for you hundred the percent. Yeah. They're there for a workout in the environment. And, you know, it's again, so the assessment, it's important to try to get in tune with what your clients are looking for. Some people want that social aspect. Some people want to be held accountable. Some people need some space. Some people want to explore some things on their own and, you know, getting called out in public. Is, it's not everyone's favorite thing. So for sure being able to kind of tightrope that and all circles
0: back to the individual experience, my friend. I love
2: it. Yep. Yeah, I love that. So you're really taking on these PT clients and then seeing, you know, potentially if you can group them in to a small group training, depending on, you know, people's specific needs, you know, probably more so The degree of need not really the problem itself right and and we've gotten so much better and here's
1: kind of a here's something that I've arrived at over all these years of experience it's I think what ends up happening is as people get more functional you can start to move them into doing the same workouts and being competitive with their exercise not the other way around so we have, we have a couple of guys that have been been training with us for you know six, seven, eight years. They're pretty competitive in CrossFit, for example. And sometimes they like to train by themselves, but sometimes they like to do the workouts together. Gives them that competitive atmosphere. Gives them that extra push. Takes them up another gear versus doing it in the inverse way of trying to make them competitive right off the bat and putting scores on the whiteboard and stuff like that. Do what you need to do to get in shape to be able to play the game. And then you can start playing the game and, and that's kind of how we approach it. So it's, in my experience, it kind of works in the opposite way.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. How I we mean, get people comfortable and then step yeah. it up and nice, ask. Yeah. You know, yeah, sure.
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate all the insight, dude. I've learned some things myself too. Cool. Yeah. Again, I'm always passionate
1: to share. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope I, I'm not going to tell
0: people what to think. I'm just going to tell you how I think.
2: Yeah, and, uh, yeah,
0: that's the best part. It's all different takes here and there, and take little nuggets from this person, apply it to whatever works for you, man. And I think you did a good job sharing what you know and, you know, tailoring your experience to the audience. Sure. Uh, Definitely, yeah, cool. Appreciate, you. appreciate you, Will. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having me, guys. Of course,
2: brother. Thanks for tuning in.